Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you as we do each week, asking you to join us here in this place. And we trust that you have kept your promise and that you are here. May my words now be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Jesus has really messed up this time. And he was doing so well, too. Some would have you believe that this little story reveals a flaw in Jesus. That he is here revealed to be a little less perfect than we thought he was. That in this interaction with a Canaanite woman, he is in fact shown to be merely human. A sinner, in fact, in need of correction. And that this Canaanite woman shows Jesus a better way. Now, that's not actually true. Jesus is and remains the almighty son of the living God, sinless in every way, even here in this story. But it's worth mentioning as a popular common misreading of this text, as a depressingly short internet search will prove to you. Uh, Jesus, we're told here, is a little bit racist, exhibiting an ethnic preference for Israelites over and above Canaanites, and that this woman teaches him that everyone, even Canaanites, are equally deserving in the eyes of God. Jesus learns his lesson and pours out his grace upon her, something that he would not have done while mired in his previous ethnic vainglory. But does this reading actually make sense of the text? And the answer is no, Not in the least. In the first place, it doesn't make sense that Jesus is being presented as a sinner with something to learn when you look at Matthew's overarching depiction of Jesus. And secondly, it doesn't make sense of what actually happens between Jesus and the woman. She doesn't convince Jesus that she's not a dog. In fact, she accepts his seemingly harsh judgment of her. So let's look at this story this morning and see how it is good news for us on two fronts. First, that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is nothing less than perfect, the sinless Son of Almighty God. Indeed, God himself, incarnate, made man for you and for me. And that it is his perfection and sinlessness that actually makes it possible for him to save us. And then we'll see that God's grace poured out through Jesus is indeed available to everyone, but not because everyone is equally able to become qualified for it, but because everyone is equally sinful and in need of it. Something that Jesus knew from the beginning. A truth that animates his entire ministry. Confessed sin is always met with saving grace. So let's look first 
at whether Matthew intends to show us an imperfect Jesus. A Jesus who needs to learn something. A Jesus who might even be a sinner. Now, thankfully, we can dispatch with this question relatively quickly. The answer is clearly no. Think of the readings and sermons you've heard over the last couple weeks from this book of Matthew. We looked at Matthew 13 with the complementary parables of the sower and the wheat and the weeds. Both of those stories highlighting God's sovereignty, especially in salvation, his all-powerfulness, his perfection and holiness. We humans, we read, are different kinds of soil. Literally inanimate dirt in the one story, or hired hands in the other, powerless to stop the weeds growing up among the wheat. But Jesus, incarnate God here on earth, is in control. He will accomplish his purposes. Everything will work out just the way he wants it to and just the way it should. Then we read from Matthew 14, Jesus feeding 5,000 men and the women and children along with them from just five loaves and two fish. What is clearly not enough is made enough by Jesus and his miraculous, supernatural, almighty power. And then Jesus comes to the disciples walking on water. That is so much an illustration of his perfection that it has become an idiom in our language. So-and-so is perfect. As far as I'm concerned, he walks on water. Matthew is building a picture of Jesus here as God of the natural and God of the supernatural. He controls everything down here, water, bread, fish. And he controls everything up there, the way things shake out in the end, the difference between wheat and weeds, what is thrown into the fire and what is gathered into his father's barn. And so it makes no sense for Matthew to now turn around and say, but Jesus didn't really understand that his father's good news was also for those Gentiles to whom he felt ethnically superior. And thankfully, that's not at all what's going on here. Jesus remains in this story as he always has been, the perfect and blameless incarnate son of Almighty God. But man, would Jesus get in trouble if he said this in 2023? (laughs) It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Talk about shaming and privilege. Jesus is doing miracles all over the place, and this woman comes up to him begging, not even for herself, but for her demon-beset daughter. She's begging him to wield his awesome power on her behalf, and he speaks to her with what sounds like contempt. I was sent only to this specific group of people. You a member of another group. You're like a dog, unworthy of my attention. 
human resources would be all over that. <laughs> so how can Jesus be so callous, so hard, so seemingly cruel? This isn't our usual picture of him. When we imagine Jesus, we think of the gracious and loving and merciful healer meeting everyone from leper to prostitute in their exact place of need. Not this time. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But this is a good reminder for us that for Jesus... There is a place for hardness, for what sounds to us like cruelty. It is not, as we'll see. There is a place for what we will call the law. To help us understand how this is working out in Jesus' interaction with this Canaanite woman, we need to compare this story to what I think of as its perfect complement. Another, perhaps better known conversation of Jesus's one that he had with a rich young man. This conversation is described both in Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10. A rich young man comes up to Jesus one day and asks him, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, You know the commandments. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Wait, what? What is Jesus doing here? We all know, you and I, that the correct answer to the what must I do to inherit eternal life question is believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. There's nothing you have to do, right? It's all about what you believe, in whom you place your faith. But Jesus doesn't tell the rich young man to believe in him. He tells him to follow the law. Why? Because Jesus knows that this rich young man thinks he's already successfully doing it. I've been doing those things since I was a child, the man tells Jesus. No problem, he's saying. That's child's play. So Jesus keeps preaching the law to him. He keeps upping the ante, showing this rich young man just how high God's standard really is. One thing you lack, Jesus says, go sell all you have, give the proceeds to the poor, then come and follow me. This is the equivalent of Jesus calling this young man a dog. He is again here, hard. He seems cruel. Oh, you think you're following the law, do you? Let me show you what law following, what obedience really looks like. You think you're worthy, do you? Let me show you how unworthy, how like a dog you really are. And how does this rich young man react? Well, we read that he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus here, to this rich young man, is preaching the law. He is committed to bringing this young man to a place where he cannot escape his neediness. And this action, this law-preaching action, showing a sinner their sin, is why the law was given. And it does hurt. It is hard. 
and it seems cruel, but it is the necessary first step in the proclamation of the good news. The bad news precedes the good. This rich young man doesn't actually think that he's all that needy. After all, he's been obeying God's law with no problems for his whole life. Or so he thought. He doesn't believe that he's selfish until Jesus shows him how selfish he really is. He doesn't know that he's a sinner. He needs to be shown. I had a friend who got married exactly a week before I did. We were groomsmen in each other's weddings, flying back and forth across the country. So we were sort of newlywed buddies, if that's a thing. For the first few months of our marriages, we'd talk on the phone and compare notes how things were going. On one of these phone calls, he told me that he was so grateful for his marriage because it was really helping him become less selfish. And I told him that I was very glad to hear that and prayed the same for myself, but that I was currently less grateful because my young marriage was only serving to show me again and again in a dozen different ways just how selfish I was. That's how the law works. It reveals sin. The command to love this other person reveals just how much I love myself. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says that he wouldn't even have known what coveting was until a law came that said, do not covet, but that then all of a sudden, all kinds of covetousness sprang up in him. The principle is a simple one. We all know it. You never want something more than when it is forbidden to you. What do you mean I can't have dessert or play video games or stay up an hour later? Now that will become the thing that I completely obsess over. What do you mean I have to think of someone else before I think of myself? Now my needs will become the only thing I can think about. The law is given to show us our sin, to reveal our need for a savior. Jesus is showing this rich young man his sin, his selfishness when he preaches the law to him. And the young man, sadly, devastatingly, refuses to see and goes away. And Jesus, here in this story, in the same way, is showing the Canaanite woman her sin when he tells her that she is undeserving of his healing attentions. He may not be telling her about any particular sin, but her sinfulness as a whole. That the fact is that in the eyes of God, she's unworthy, undeserving. Not primarily because she's a Gentile, but because she's a sinner. Jesus is, in effect, speaking to her the words that Paul summarizes theologically in our reading from Romans 11, when he equates Jews and Gentiles. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. That's very confusing. Luckily, Paul sums it up at the end. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful 
to all. You, Canaanite woman, do not deserve what I have to give. But then, a miracle. She doesn't react like that rich young man. She doesn't go away. She does something that human beings never do outside the miracle of God's preceding grace. She confesses. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. But what about Jesus' racism? His ethnic vainglory here. The idea that this woman is less valuable to him because she's not Jewish. Well, in truth, the fact that this woman is a Canaanite is Almost, although not totally, almost incidental to the story. It's more like the presenting issue. It's the thing that gives Jesus the opportunity to make his message clear. It's the chance to show everyone and us how deep our problems really run. Because listen, Jesus' contention that he's been sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, that has more to do with evangelism strategy than it does with deserving, at least in an ultimate sense. Remember Acts chapter 1, when Jesus sends the disciples out. He sends them to, quote, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In fact, Acts is the story of how his lost but now found sheep, the house of Israel, turn and spread the gospel to every sinner in need of a savior. Jesus is sent to Israel, God's chosen people, first so that his message, his body broken and blood shed for sinners, can go out into the whole world. He's going to start at home. But there's more. Remember, too, his first sermon at Nazareth. Before this incident with the Canaanite woman. During which he points out to the crowd in his hometown synagogue. That the Gentiles of the Old Testament received God's mercy when so many Jews didn't. This is an observation that whips the crowd into a murderous rage. God chose to minister to show mercy to a widow at Zarephath and Naaman, the leprous soldier. So when this woman, a Syrian, just like Naaman, owns her sin, saying, yes, Lord, I'm a dog, but even the dogs get the master's crumbs. When she shows that she is ready for the good news, Jesus does not hesitate to give it to her. It's not that she's taught him something or shown him his sin. No, she has confessed her sin. And Jesus does for her what God always does for the penitent. He pours out his mercy. The rich young man thought he was good and refused to repent. He goes away sad. <coughs> This Canaanite woman admits her need. Her daughter is healed instantly. 
This is what we learn from this story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman. The good news preached to us from the pages of Matthew's gospel. First, Jesus is God. He is almighty. He is perfect. He multiplies bread and fish. He stills the storm. He will preside over the separation of sheep from goats, wheat from weeds. He must be perfect so that he can save you. A Jesus who is faulty, who sins, who is anything less than Almighty God, cannot stand in your place on that fateful day. That Jesus cannot bear the sins of the world, and he cannot bear yours. He must be human, yes, to be able to stand in for you, a human, and he is, but he must be God, blameless and holy, to do it successfully. And this story reminds us that Jesus is God because he does for this Canaanite woman what God always does for repentant sinners. He pours out his mercy on her. And he is ready to do the same for you. But in the face of Almighty God, in the face of such perfection, And holiness. We must repent. Do not, like that rich young man, attempt to find your salvation in your own law keeping. Confess your sin. Throw yourself on the mercy of your Savior. Do that. And God, who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, as John writes, will cleanse you. From all unrighteousness. This truth, the good news of Christ's mercy to repentant sinners, has become the very cornerstone of our worship. Each week, we come together and confess that, like this Canaanite woman, we are sinners unworthy of Christ's attention. We're going to make our confession here in just a few minutes. Say it with us mean every word. And then each week we celebrate a feast, his body and blood broken and shed for unworthy sinners like us. We've even enshrined this particular story right at the center of our celebration. After we've confessed and been absolved, and just before we literally taste his forgiveness, we will pray the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this, your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. In that one sentence, taken directly from this story, we have all of Christianity in microcosm. First, the law. You are a sinner. 
not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under God's table. But then, always then, the gospel. He is the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. He has sent Jesus Christ to meet your sin with his righteousness, to overcome your death with his life. Jesus' mercy is for sinners, sinners of every size, shape, and color, sinners like you. So confess your sins. And today, on account of Jesus Christ, God's mercy is poured out on you. Amen.